Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. I want to just start by saying that, um, Brian, the feeling is mutual. Honestly, when you first came into the city, I remember our first conversation together over at Crossroads in my office, and just thinking about your heart for ministry, your humility, man, I just love your pastor. I want you to know that. I love your pastor. I think he's an incredible leader, a man of God, and I'm so glad to co-labor with him in our city. Do you love, do you love your pastor? You love Brian, huh? Give it up for him. That's right. And I also love his humility. I mean, he just operates in such humility. And one of the things that I'm really thankful for is that I've been allowed to stand on the stage of Queen City with pants that are intact, that don't have <laughs> holes in them. I, because in his humility, I think every time I have been with you, your pants in humility have had these like well-designed things that are not intact with them. So I... I think that just means you're much cooler than I am, which I would agree with, (laughs) but I'm just so glad to be here. So, hey, here's the deal. Um, As Brian said, you've been asking questions in this series, and today we're going to ask that question. What does God have to say about racial reconciliation? It's a question the church has to ask. It's a question, quite frankly, that 2020 forced all of us to face. And I want to say this. I got some friends here. I'm glad to see them. I think they'll vouch for me. I'm a nice guy. I, I'm a ni- Most people like me. They really do. Most people like me. But it is impossible to talk about this without challenging. And I promise you, I will preach it imperfectly. I promise you, if you're looking for an out, if you're looking for something I said that makes you say, oh, see, I just know what category he's in. I promise I will deliver on that. <laughs> But here's what I believe. I believe that despite my imperfection, God can uniquely meet you where you are. And he has something to say to you today. So I want you to be hearing and listening for that. So let's pray. Because I also believe this is not about political correctness when we talk about this in the church. I believe this is a spiritual formation issue. And so let's pray that God would form all of us, including me, as we do this today. God, I thank you for being our teacher. And I do believe, Holy Spirit, that as this church has raised up that value of unity being their pursuit. That's your heart. That's your heart from the beginning to the end of scripture. That's your heart. That's what, that's what Jesus came to do, to unify us to you. And so God, I pray today that we would all just be humble learners together um, and that what we learn, what we hear would penetrate deep down in our spirit, would resonate with what you're already doing and would cause us to leave here ready to be the reconcilers you've called us to be in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's, let's begin with the end in mind because God has a very clear picture of what unity looks like in the church. I wanna take you all the way to the end of the Bible, Revelation chapter seven. We see this picture that John, who was a follower of Jesus, sees while he's on an island, an imprisoned island, basically. God gives him a picture of a time that's yet to come. And it says this in Revelation seven, nine. After this, I looked, says John, And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne of the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. So John sees this picture at the end of time. And I think that God wants to make it abundantly clear how he sees his church. 
like abundantly clear. So John uses some words. I'm gonna geek out on the Greek only for a little bit. He says the word nation. He says, I see people of every nation. That word is the word ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnic from. So what John sees at the end of time is every ethnic group represented at the throne of Jesus Christ. That's good news. That's good news. He then goes on to say every tribe, that word is phylon. So it means kind of like people who align by tribal affiliation, even outside of ethnic affiliation. He sees those represented as well at the throne of God. Then he says people, he says peoples, the word is laos, and it's just different people groups. So he looks and he's like, man, there's just a diversity of people groups that I see before the throne of Jesus. And then in case we miss it, unless we think that God has missed something, he then uses the word languages, which is the word glossons, where we get the word glossary from. And he says, I hear them also praising in all of these different languages. So John, the writer is being abundantly clear and abundantly inclusive that if we want to know God's end goal on this, I'm getting excited already. I guess you can see that. If you want to know God's end goal on this, His end goal is that at the end of time, there are people of every ethnic group, every language, every people group, and every tongue that are one at the throne of Jesus, waving palm branches in their hand, which is a sign of victory. That's God's vision. That's God's vision. And I believe that God wants us as the church to be living into that vision right now. That's the win we're going for. And I'm sure that's what you see every day. I'm sure that's what you see on your social media feeds because that's what I see on my social media feeds, right? I'm sure that's what you see on the news because that's what I see on the news, right? Oh, you aren't, you aren't talking to me now. People online are talking to me. They, they're saying, no, Chuck, that is not what I see. That is not what I see. And the question is, man, the church is deeply challenged on this. What is getting in the way? Now, I want to give you a basketball reference. It'll be my only basketball reference. Um, but it's NBA season again. I'm really excited about that. And Monty Williams is the coach of the Phoenix Suns. And last year, the Phoenix Suns made this incredible run for the first time in like 20 years, almost made it to the final win. Um, he had this quote. He, was, he had like a bunch of quotes. But one of them is this. He said, everything you want is on the other side of hard. Everything you want is on the other side of heart. And I think if we're going to be honest, we just have to recognize everything that God wants in terms of unity is on the other side of heart. Because of what Pastor Brian said, we don't trend toward unity. We don't trend toward selflessness. We trend the other direction. And there's some evidence to say that, hey, first of all, as a church, we've got to face some hard truths. So I'm going to give you, I used to work for P&G, so I'm going to give you some data. Any Proctor people in the house? Any P&Gers in the house? All right. Yep. A couple people. A couple people who love data, probably, uh, maybe more than I love data. So, um, uh, but yes, yeah, so one of the things is we have to recognize this, that the church is still the most segregated hour of the week. I know that we've heard that over and over again, but it continues to be true. Here's what's interesting. Recent survey asked, church, how do you feel about that? And 67% of people said our church is doing enough to be ethnically diverse. Really? Enough? How many people would agree with that? Church is doing enough. Nobody. I see no hands up. I see no hands up, right? So you guys are with me in the 25% to say no. I think we've got an opportunity here. Ed Stetzer is a well-known sociologist in the church, and this is what he says about this data. He says, surprisingly, most churchgoers are content with the ethnic status quo in their churches. In a world where our culture is increasingly diverse and many pastors are talking about diversity, it appears most people are happy where they are and with whom they are. 
Man. Now, you could look at that and start judging people. You could look at that and say, see, that's why I'm not a part of those churches, right? But here's the truth. When I read that, you know what I hear underneath that? I hear exhaustion and confusion. I don't think the average follower of Jesus does not want to see more of Revelation 7, 9. I think they're tired and I think they don't know how to realize it in the context we live in. I feel like that. I can, I can be in that place. And so I think what we need to understand is God has something to say to us around that. And I wanna give you some hope. I don't just have bad news. Believe it or not, it might sound crazy to say it right now, we've actually made progress in the last 20 years. Here's another chart for you to look at. Um, what, what statistics would say is if your church has 20% of its population that is non-white, because the white, because white culture is dominant in, in our country, if you have 20% of your church that's non-white, you qualify as a multi-ethnic church. And so I want you to take a look at this because look at the growth in Catholic churches, 17 to 24%. That would be multi-ethnic today. This is a change in 20 years. Mainline Protestant churches from 1% to 11%. Evangelical churches, which is probably where we, you probably, Queen City, somewhere fit in that. I know some of us might probably wrestle with that language, but 7% to 23%. So I have a hope alert for you today. I have a hope alert. I actually believe God is moving. I actually believe he's doing something. I actually believe there's a flow we can jump into and he's inviting us to be a part of it right here and right now. It's not all bad news. It's not all bad news, but we have to understand how we get stuck. What's getting in the way? What is getting in the way? So I want you guys to ask yourself this question multiple times as I talk today. And to do that, I want you to say it out loud. Everybody with me, everybody online, I want you to say, what's my lens? You say it. I want you to say it again. What's my lens? When I think about what's getting in the way of us fully realizing what God envisions in Revelation 7, 9, I think we have to wrestle with the fact that when we see like God sees, we will love like God loves. But all of us have lenses that get in the way of us seeing this like God sees it. So I'm representing these with these glasses, mainly because I look really funny in glasses, I think, but, um, but that's part of the deal. So, so I've got three lenses that I want you to consider because I think one of these lenses might be getting in your way. Here's the first lens. I call it the ideology lens. The ideology lens. What do I mean by the ideology lens? The average American gets eight to 10 hours a day in their ideology, whether that's through social media, the news channel that you watch, the people that you typically are around who tend to be people who kind of see the world the way you do, we are all skewed in our understanding because of our ideology. And I am specifically including in that our political ideology. It gets in the way. And let me just tell you something. If you're spending eight to 10 hours a week, a day, getting fed that ideology, your one hour, your 70 minutes at Queen City of theology is not a fair fight. It's not a fair fight. I'm sorry. And so there are so many followers of Jesus who are more shaped on how they view race by their ideology than their theology. And we just got to own that. It's not a fair fight. The ideology lens gets in the way. And Romans 12 too, I think speaks to this. When Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, 
you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. You guys with me? You still liking me so far? Cool. That, that might change in like the next 30 seconds. Because here's what I want you to know. Liberal, progressive, political ideology and conservative ideology are systems of this world. It is not the way of God. Let, let me say it this way. Capitalism and Marxism are systems of this world. You'll find neither in the Bible. Again, like I said, you, you might not like me. It's okay. How about this one? The 1619 Project and the 1776 Project are patterns of this world. And I'm not saying that there isn't something to be learned, something to be understand by these ideologies. But again, if you're getting eight to 10 hours a day of those ideologies, I'm sorry, you are being conformed to this world. And the invitation that God has for us is to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. So here's the question. Are you being conformed by worldly patterns of thinking on race? Or are you being transformed by biblical truth on race? That's a really important question for all of us to answer. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, I think is the encouragement, the admonition we need to hear on this one. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk, listen to this, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. I'm big on this. Me and Brian should not be the Bible experts in this room. We shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. We have a calling. We have something unique on our life, but you have the Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You should be teaching me. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Listen to what it says. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have had their, listen to this, powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And I just want to submit that if we're going to get to the place that God wants us to get to, we have to embrace the challenge of overcoming our ideological lenses and be rooted in the word of truth that brings life and clarity to this subject. To this subject. So that's a lens that gets in the way. Now, there are other lenses that get in the way. Here's my other glasses to represent these lenses. I, I like these better. I think because they're black. hey, I, maybe you haven't realized this. I'm black. <laughs> and I've been black my whole life, if you can believe that. I've been black my whole life. And guess what? My African-American identity is important. Again, when I think about Revelation, it is important. It is in there. I believe there are going to be people who are speaking Kiswahili at the throne of Jesus Christ. I believe that. I believe that people from your native ethnic groups are going to be there speaking native and ethnic languages. And I will also say this. My black identity can become an idol if it goes above my identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so can your white identity and your Latinx identity and your API identity, and your indigenous identity, and whatever ethnic group that you represent identity, it can become greater than our identity as followers of Jesus. And in 2021, we just gotta wrestle with that. We gotta wrestle with the fact that there are two extremes that I see playing out right now. I think there's an extreme of virtue and virtue signaling that's playing out, 
where everything is being interpreted through that identity lens and it's elevating above. And again, I'm not, I mean, we can have a deeper conversation about how that plays out, but I just think that's something we gotta be concerned about. And I need to name this. I need to name this. Christian nationalism is an idol. It is not of the Lord. And a a lot of us are falling into that trap as well. And so we just have to recognize that our identities become idols if we put them above our identity as a follower of Jesus. And when we do that, we will always kill anyone who comes against our idol. You think about cultures. Cultures go to war over idols. That's what they go to war over. Blood is always shed over idols. Look at history. That's just history. And so this identity lens is one we really have to wrestle with. Now, here's the good news. Might not sound like good news. This isn't new either. This isn't new either. First Corinthians 1 is very interesting to consider in this context. It says this. Paul says, for it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is each one of you says, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. And he asked the question, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? You know what he's saying? It's been reported to me, brothers and sisters, that you are letting these identities supersede your identity as a follower of Jesus. And Jesus is not divided. Jesus is not divided. Jesus isn't struggling over this. He's not struggling over this. And so we have to embrace that our identities, our identities are a part of who God made us to be. But we have a greater, a grander, a richer, shared and unified identity as followers of Jesus. And I believe it's a both and. But one of those clearly needs to supersede. So the identity lens can get in the way. Now, maybe you resonate with the ideology lens. You're like, yeah, I, I see that. See that in me. Maybe you resonate with the identity lens. You're like, man, I, I see that in me. But maybe I haven't come down your street yet. So I have one other lens that I want you to take a look at and I want you to wrestle with. And it's this one right here. Oh, man. I know you wish you had this on right now, especially if I'm boring you. You're like, man, that would be great right now as you are talking because you lost me. Yes, I know. Uh, I call call this the just ignore it and it'll go away lens. Just just act like it's not an issue that the church should talk about. Let's just preach the gospel. Okay. Do you know what you mean when you say that? We're not called to ignore it. It won't go away. Now, I'm gonna get real on this one because here's the truth. There's a lot of ways we can put on that lens. There's a lot of ways. And there's days where I want, there's days physically and spiritually where I wanna wear these all day long, right? Right? I mean, that's just true. Now, let me tell you how that plays out for me. As Brian said, I'm a part of a little Bible study up the road called Crossroads that you may have heard of. Um, and I know this is going to be shocking to you. I know it's going to be shocking. But um, actually, we have, we have uh, tension at Crossroads on this. I know that's shocking to you that a church would actually have tension on anything, right? Like, oh my gosh, really? <laughs> yes, we do. And you know what? There are times where I have been really hurt by words that have been said or actions that have been done to me that have been around race. It, it's not been an easy journey for any of us at Crossroads, and, and I'm included in that. And I'll be honest with you. And, and again, I, I'm speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for the other black, indigenous people of color in this room, but, I, but, but maybe I am, but maybe I am. I do have moments where I say, you, you know what would make this a whole lot easier for me? I grew up in the black church. I love the black church. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the worship at Queen City. It's different than the worship. I'm just say different, right? I do love it. I do love it. I, and no disrespect. You guys are amazing. You sound like George McDonald. I'm gonna, George, 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 no, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't think, what's his name? I can't think of his name. I was going to tell you, you, your voice is amazing. I'll, I'll think of his name. George Michael, George Michael. Your range, your range is like George Michael. Seriously. You know that's a compliment, right? That's a compliment. I'm serious, man. You hit that one note. I'm like, this dude is up there blowing. Sorry, I lost myself there for a second. But, but here's the thing. Oftentimes, I've had moments where I said, you know what would make this a lot easier? If I just go to an all-black church, and therefore, everybody would see race the way that I see it, and I don't have to deal with the tension of it. That would make my life a lot easier. Guess what? I'm not called to do that. And I think that's one of the things we got to lean into as the church, is that we have to be able to model the difficult path of coming together and having this reconciliation thing live in our churches if we wanted to live in the world. And so I, I'm preaching to me on that one. <laughs> I got to recognize that. I'll tell you what else, though, I do think about and I wrestle with for my white brothers and sisters in the room. It's hard right now. It's uncomfortable right now. And one of the things that I fear is that in this moment where I do think people are leaning in, and I do think even with all the tension right now, there's an opportunity to make progress. I fear that you'll back away from the table because it's too hard. And who wants to be in a room where it feels like you're always being singled out? Where everybody's telling you, you've had a voice and now you shouldn't have a voice. It's hard. But I just want to tell you, if you back away from the table and I back away from the table, we are not living into what God has called us to be. Galatians 6.2 says it so well. We are called to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love. And we're called to bear one another's burdens. We're called to live in the tension of that. All right, so I've given you enough of the problem. How do we move forward, right? That's what you came for today, not just to know the problem. We know the problem. How do we move forward? I'm gonna skip ahead, and I wanna just go right into Colossians chapter three, because I think it is the answer. It is the way forward for us. Colossians 3, 12 through 17 says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I believe in that passage is our how. And let me, walk it through it. let me walk you through it. The first thing this talks about is humility. Humility, humility, humility. How do we move forward? I wanna propose that a way that we can overcome our ideological lens is through humble exchange. Through humble exchange. Here's a question to ask yourself. To what extent is my ideology blinding me from the spiritual truth and biblical truth and a fuller understanding on this? 
How we get there is through humble exchange. There's a great book I read recently by Adam Grant called Think Again. It's a really good book, highly recommended. He's a psychologist out of um, University of Pennsylvania. Um, and he says this, one of the things he said in the book is, here's what you have to do if you wanna think again. Embrace the joy of being wrong and the thrill of doubting what you think. Embrace the joy of being wrong and the thrill of doubting what you think. I believe when it comes to conversations on race, I have to walk into the conversation with someone who has a different perspective, deeply believing that the truth that God wants me to see is not gonna be found by what's already in my head alone, but it's gonna be found as I lean in with humble exchange to understand another story. And through that together, we come to a better understanding of God's heart on this issue. And as Brian said, the organization I lead, we have a, a six-week experience called Living Undivided that's all about that. And I can tell you this year, as we've had people across the country experience Living Undivided, the humble exchange has power. And it's changing relationships. It's changing communities. We are called to do that. We're called to do that. And I want to just encourage you to embrace that. The second thing is this. If we want to overcome our identity lens, Right? the camps that we find ourselves in, the way forward on that is through deep relationship. It's through deep relationship. And I do think you have a unique opportunity at the church to do this. It's a way to put your secondary identities in check. Um, Colossians 3, 12, really 12 through 14, is my go-to passage whenever I officiate a wedding. I go to that passage because listen to what it says. It says that love with Christ at the center looks like bearing with one another. It looks like sharing complaints. It looks like forgiveness. It looks like love. It looks like letting peace win the day. It looks like gratitude. And I'll tell you, having been married for 19 years, if you're going to have a thriving marriage, those things need to be evident in your relationship. Because I promise you one thing. <laughs> marriage is hard. <laughs> and yet this scripture is called not a marriage scripture. It's defining how we're supposed to live as followers of Jesus in community with each other. So you know what that tells me, guys? You know what that tells me? Unity is hard. <laughs> but what did Monty Williams say? From the Phoenix Suns, everything you want is what? On the other side of hard, right? And when you have the grace of Christ in your deep relationships, something happens. And I love this when it comes to identity too, because think about this. When my wife and I got married, she did not cease to be a woman and I did not cease to be a man, right? So I'm not saying you cease to be your ethnic identity. You cease to be the things that have formed and shaped you. No, what I'm saying is this, that in that relationship, that deep relationship, another identity is forged, a shared identity, which is that you and I together become the body of Jesus Christ. That's a miracle. And it happens through messy relationships. <laughs> the miracle happens through messiness. The miracle happens through the discomfort. That's how it happens. But when it happens, when it happens, Jesus said it would be the thing that would draw people to himself. And so we have an opportunity. We have an invitation to do this. And hear me very clearly. I am not saying we shouldn't care about issues. I'm not saying... We shouldn't care about things that are external. I deeply do, and I think that we're called to do that as followers of Jesus. If I had another hour, I'd give you a whole talk on that. I don't have that hour right now. So I want you to know, though, what I'm saying is all of that comes from deep relationships. It's much harder. It's much harder to actually come to consensus 
when you love the other person and you value their perspective, it's harder because you, you have to give up more of what you think is right. But you come to a better place. You actually come to a far better place. So humble exchange is the way that we overcome the ideology lens. And I believe deep relationships is what we're called to and that helps us overcome the identity lens. But how do we overcome this? <laughs> it's through spirit-led action. It's through spirit-led action. It's a way to break out of the apathy and tension. And so I wanna ask you this question. This is an important question for all of us. Is your fear of doing something, I'm sorry, is your fear of doing the wrong thing keeping you from doing something? Is your fear of doing the wrong thing, saying the wrong thing, keeping you from doing something? Because what I wanna invite you into is that our faith is an activistic faith. That we are not called as Christians to be passive. We are called to be active. Jesus was active. He went about doing good. That's what the Bible says. He went about doing good externally, right? So we're called to be active. I love Peter. Peter's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. You won't find a more impulsive person than Peter. <laughs> He's super impulsive. He says dumb things all the time. He does dumb things in the Bible. And yet he is the one that God says on this rock, on people like you, Peter, I'm gonna build the foundation called the church. Which tells me God is not as afraid of us doing the wrong thing as we are. <laughs> so do something, do something and recognize that you're called to do something. So I want you to reflect. I know I said a lot, but I want you to reflect. Two questions. The first question is this. Which of these lenses is the primary lens that you're interpreting this issue on race and racial reconciliation from today? Which, which of these is getting in your way? Think about that. Is it the ideology lens? Is it the identity lens? Is it the ignore it and hope it goes away lens? Which, which of these is getting in the way for you? And then I want you to ask yourself a second question. Which of the choices for moving forward feels most difficult for you? Is it humble exchange? and really laying down that you've got the right answers and people who disagree with you are wrong and really coming to a place of humility? Is it deep relationships? Are you challenged by geography, by space, by a lot of different things? Fear from engaging with people who are different from you racially? Or is it the ignoring and it'll go away lens? Are you just like, man, I, I just don't wanna do the wrong thing and so I'm really not doing anything? Here's what I want you to know. Whatever your challenge is, whatever of these lenses is getting in your way, whichever of these callings feels most challenging for you, as a follower of Jesus, you have grace and you have power and God wants to use you in that very way. If you would be willing to go on an adventure with God and to pursue racial unity, pursue racial solidarity, pursue racial justice, I believe God will show you more of who he is because it is one of the ways that he is working in the world right now. And you're invited to be a part of it. Hey, listen, I say this all the time. Friends, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. We get to join Jesus in his mission to show the world what it looks like to be unified. And I'm telling you, you're invited to be a part of it. Don't miss it. 
Don't miss the opportunity that's presented for you. Don't miss the opportunity right here in Cincinnati. Don't miss the opportunity right here at Queen City Church. Don't miss the opportunity in your neighborhood. Don't miss the opportunity in the schools you're a part of. Don't miss the opportunity in the place where you work. Don't miss the opportunity to be a part of what Jesus is doing. When you go where Jesus is going, you will find him there. You will find him there. And he wants to be found by you. He wants to be found by you. He wants to be found. He wants you to know that there is a flow. There is a flow. There's a picture that's just been resonating with me. I love this picture. It's in Ezekiel chapter 47, Old Testament prophecy. He imagines the temple of God and he imagines this fresh life-giving water flowing down from the temple. And as it flows, trees are growing on every side of where the river grows, where the river goes. And it says that these trees have leaves that are for the healing of the nations. Now this tree shows up again in Revelation. Again, this is connected to John's vision, but this is what I love. Then Ezekiel says, I see the water then flowing into the Dead Sea. Now, if anybody knows anything about the Dead Sea, it's called dead for a reason. Nothing can grow there. It's like 33% salinity. Nothing can grow there. But he says that as this life-giving water begins to flow, the Dead Sea comes to life. Literally, trees begin to emerge in the Dead Sea. Fishermen are fishing and drawing fish where there was no life before. And this is what I believe. I believe that this is a picture of how God wants to work in and through us right now. Friends, I believe there is a flow. I believe there is a flow. I believe that where it looks like the race conversation is dead, where it looks like no life can go, that's where the Spirit of God is telling you and I, go there. Go there, and as you go there, there will be fresh water that comes in the places where you show up. And as you show up in those places, you'll see trees beginning to emerge, and those trees are for the healing of the nations. God is doing a new thing. Pay attention and participate. I love you guys. I love that we get to do this together, and I'm so excited about how God is stirring your church, your team, to be a part of what he's doing in the world. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you for the fact that you do bring dead things to life, that you are a God who redeems. You're a God who reconciles. You're a God who restores. And God, we've been talking big picture and we've been talking about race, but the truth is, God, you wanna do that in every individual life that is represented here today, whether they're online or in these seats. If there's someone in here today that feels like there's a place in your life where nothing can grow, I want you to know Jesus wants to bring fresh water. He wants to bring life to you. And if you would receive, if you would accept that invitation to just take a step, Maybe that step looks like filling out that connect card. Maybe that step looks like just having a conversation with someone in the lanyard today. But if you would just take a step, you'll find that Jesus has been pursuing you long before you've been pursuing him. Lord, bless this church. Bless the leadership. Bless the team. Bless every person who's a part of Queen City. God, may this be one of the bastions. May this be one of the oases that our city looks at and says, man, there is something life-giving happening there. And I want to be a part of it. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, church has a phenomenal message, and I think it's such an important um, conversation for us to have. And 
One thing that we've done as a church is that we have provided and we've assembled a lot of resources around this conversation. And so maybe you're here and that's like, man, I want, I want more. I want to dive in more. Is there resources? Is there books? Is there uh, messages that I can go back and listen to? Are there resources where I can continue this dialogue and this conversation? And we have on our website, and we're not going to put this up on the screen, but if, if you want to write this down, it's queencitypeople.com slash be the change slash be the change. And you can go and you can see we've assembled a whole bunch of resources there um, for around, around this conversation that I think is so important. I just wanna just encourage you to be able to do that. But here's something that I wanna do before we end. And um, I, I, I truly believe this is a, this has the potential to be a, a like church altering, city altering, personal altering conversation today. And the response, like what, when you said this, this is what gripped my heart. When we see like God sees, we will love like God loves. And when you said that, I was instantly reminded of this story in 2 Kings chapter 6. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha is there and he has this guy with him. And he gets up and he goes and he looks outside and he sees this whole army that is gathered there to attack them. And he freaks out. And then Elisha says, oh, no big deal. And he's like, what are you talking about, Elisha? Like, look, we're gonna die. And he says, no, 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 you're just not seeing right. And then he prays this prayer in 2 Kings chapter 6. He prays this prayer over them. Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And he prays that over this man. And all of a sudden, what he sees changes. He sees what God sees. And he's never the same. And so one thing that I want to do is I want to publicly honor you and thank you for your courage and for not just a year of stepping into this space, but for how you have faithfully been able to step into this conversation and help pastor and lead so many people with such humility and such grace and truth. And I believe that there's an anointing on your life, not just in our city, but around our country to be able to help spread this message. And I believe it's because you are like Elisha, and that you see some things that not everybody sees. And I can't speak for the world, but I can speak for our church and that we wanna see, we wanna see what God sees. And so what I would love for you to do is for you to be able to pray that over our church. Would you pray that we would see, not just what you see, but see what God sees. And uh, church, I just wanna ask that if you want to receive that, uh, some of you, maybe you don't want that and that's totally cool. But if you want that, I'm just gonna ask you just if you feel comfortable just to extend your hands kind of like this, like to receive. And I believe God wants to do something supernatural and help you see. This is one of those times and moments where what we do on Sunday should affect our Mondays. And so would you pray that over us?
Father, thank you so much for this moment. Lord, thank you so much for this church. God, as I think about this prayer, one of the things that I think you want us to see is that you are a God who lives this out every day. <laughs> that, that you as a Trinitarian God live in the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, a oneness and a mystery that we can't understand. But God, you invite us into that. So Lord, I pray for every hand that is extended, for every person who is in a posture of receiving. Lord, as Elisha prayed, would you open their eyes to see? Would you open their eyes to see the work that you're doing? Would you open their eyes to see your reconciling power? Would you open their eyes to see the opportunities they have right now to partner with you and participate with you in the work that you're doing, God? I pray that it would be as simple as waking up, opening their eyes, and going throughout their day. That that very simple thing that all of us are going to do if you give us breath today and tomorrow will be filled with opportunities to see as you see so that we can love as you love. And I pray that in the unified name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can you clap your hands and thank Chuck for being here with us. It's awesome. Now, I, 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 I do want to ask you for one more thing. If you just bow your head and close your eyes and we always want to create a space and opportunity for you to be able to hear God on a next step. And so would you right now just pray? Would you say, God, what are you saying to me today? Like, what are you speaking directly to me? Maybe ask him for a next step today. And here's the truth. Maybe you're here and you do not have a relationship with God. Let me just tell you that everything that we just talked about, it flows from that. And maybe you're here and you, maybe you never had a relationship with God, or maybe you have at one time in your life, but right now you've, you've kind of gone your own way. And today you want to restart your relationship with God. And you know, that is your step today. And we want to give you that opportunity. We actually give you that opportunity every single service, every single week of our church because we believe it's the most important decision that you could ever make. And if you wanna make that decision today, all I wanna do is lead you in a very simple prayer. And I just, and, and if you wanna be included in that prayer, if you know that's your decision today, man, I need to get right with God. I need to give him my life. I need to start or I need to restart a relationship with him. I'm gonna ask in just a moment, I'm gonna to count to three. And if that's you and you know that's your decision today, I want you to boldly put your hand up in the air as a sign of faith to God saying today, I humble myself and I wanna give you my life. And if you're here and that's you and that's your step, I want you to raise your hand boldly. One, two, three. If that's you, just raise it up. I got you, I got you. Anybody else, anybody else say, that's my decision today. I need to give him my life. That's awesome. That's awesome. If you want, we just, you can put your hand down and just pray something like this. Just say, God, I need you. I give you my life. Would you do what I can't do? Would you change me? Because I can't change myself. And would you make me brand new today? Just tell him, I, I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. But today I turn. And today I, I give you my life, whether that's for the first time or it's all over again. And today I make the decision to follow you. I receive your grace. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. And we thank you so much for Jesus. 
And it's through Jesus that we pray. And everybody said a loud amen. Come on, church. Can you clap your hands and celebrate with those that just made that decision? It's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com. 